It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy, of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, buddy, got a packed podcast today. We're talking about a ton of stuff. Do we need to worry about the Eastern Conference for the Brooklyn Nets? Hey, listen, the reality is it's more competitive out there these days, and there are a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that are going to have a lot to prove over the 82-game regular season. So while the Brooklyn Nets are trying to figure some things out in the wings, might be some solved science, as Doug Norrie likes to say, around other rosters that are going to be highly competitive and certainly provide tests in, in different places and on different teams than we maybe realize coming into it. Going to be a harder process for the Brooklyn Nets to get to the postseason. Yeah, way fewer outs uh, during the regular season for sure. Thanks for making Locked On Nets your first listen of the day. We're going to get into the whole thing here. But first, the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single gosh darn day. There you go, I'm Doug Norrie. 
owneroperator dfsr.com if you need some projections for FanDuel and or DraftKings NBA. We're crushing it over there, so go and sign up for dfsr.com. And that is Adam Armbrecht, fresh off, sweating out a Giants loss, but it looked like it was going to be the other way. He's the host of the One Giant podcast where he and his boy Andy Mack covering the New York football Giants. Got New York sports on lock, buddy. How are we doing Wednesday leading into a game against the Hawks? Time of my life, man. The New York football Giants are a thrill a minute. So what what a Sunday. I was almost getting a little bit too bullish on them texting with you. That faded in a hurry. But it's all right because we have uh, Brooklyn Nets basketball to talk about. And I've got my little buddy for YouTube purposes. Little mini KD here is about to turn this whole thing around for me. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, so make sure you head on over to YouTube. Uh, and all the episodes and more are going up on YouTube. You can see this little bobblehead kind of thing. There's a name for these kinds of things. I should know this um, with a kid. What are the names it's of these a kinds Funko. of things? It's a Funko. Funko. There you go. Yeah. I get things. I'm a kid. I'm like, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand the youth. Uh, thanks for making Locked On Nets your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Like we said, the aforementioned YouTube as well. Heading into a Wednesday game against the Hawks here. Uh, they write the ship over the weekend, so that's good news. Uh, awesome interview with Chris Mahalan yesterday. He's the best. Definitely going to have yes. him on uh, uh, again the show again. That he was he was great. So if you didn't if you missed that one, we kind of take a look at the net season. Want to talk a little about the Hawks, obviously too. What's up? No, you complimented me uh, throughout that podcast episode with some of my takeaways on LaMarcus Aldridge, but you also let out of the gates by insulting me. So it was a bit of a mixed bag for me emotionally as I listened to it, but a heck of an interview with Chris, though. That was, I that felt was a good bad about telling him before I'd even, we even talked that he was a huge upgrade over Adam. Um, <laughs> I didn't feel great about it, but I like to be self-deprecating. I was self-deprecating about myself, too. Um, I, I you'll, you'll In the audio version, I took that one out, though. <laughs> yeah. So I, there was a part where I said something about myself, but then I listened back. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to say that about myself, and I, and I I sliced it from the episode. Only left the thing in about Adam. So it was part of the it was part of the intro. It was gonna be hard to take out. It was gonna be this whole thing. So I just it was, it was too much. It was much work. easier to leave in the insult about me than one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Your thing was way hard. It would have been way, it would have been a monumental lift to take that part. The part about me, we we made it work. We we had to chop. We had to leave it on the cutting room floor. All right. So mm. heading into this game Wednesday, got us thinking about how. Sort of some thoughts we had about the Nets heading into the season regarding the schedule, regarding what they were sort of going to face in the Eastern Conference this year, and how the early part of this season might be playing out a little differently in terms of the competitive, the number of competitive teams in the East, right? Now we're six, six, seven games in for a lot of these teams, for sure. We'll talk a little about the Hawks first, because they're a team that we expected to be competitive this year, right? Like yep. we expected them. They made it. They, they probably got a little out ahead of their skis in terms of making the conference finals last year uh, and losing to the Bucks. I don't think anyone really expected them to get that far. They ran a little hot in terms of who they got to face and then obviously dispatched the Sixers. But we'll get to the rest of the Eastern Conference here in a second. Are we concerned at all about this Hawks game uh, on Wednesday? Do you think this is... You know, do you think the Hawks are going to look at Brooklyn as like sort of like the bullseye in the back? You know, I think that I, this is another concern I have that I didn't really think may be coming here with Brooklyn, but it might be. But what are we thinking about Hawks leading into the game on Wednesday? Yeah, it's almost funny now, too, because you always talk about teams. So like the Milwaukee Bucks would be the ones with a target on their back. Everyone, when you see them on the schedule, you go, there's the champions. We want to show up, show them that, especially in the Eastern Conference, right? We're going to be there in the playoffs. And if you're the Hawks, you feel like we were right there. We had every opportunity maybe to be in the finals last season with the Nets following the situation with Kyrie. Then you see the slow start from Harden. 
I almost feel like these early games for some of these teams, the Atlanta Hawks, is going to be, hey, this is a chance for us to almost, almost maybe I don't know, like you know, beat up on the Brooklyn Nets. Like that's what I think. If you're if you're a team in the Eastern Conference that finished fairly high last year, or Miami Heat, the Nets played them early in the season as well. I think that you look at this as almost being like, okay, Harden, one of the best players in the league. Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the league. Great supporting cast, right? All the accolades. Still one of the odds-on favorites for the championship. We're going to go ahead and show you that you are going to have a far harder time getting through the Eastern Conference this year. You may not be able to massage your way through the schedule and then take care of business come playoff time because this is a more competitive uh, d- uh, conference. Excuse me. And if you're the Hawks, you have things to prove this year too because everyone looks at last season and says, uh, you know, a little bit of lightning in a bottle, maybe not as legitimate as you thought you were, and now you see where they are early in the season and you start to question if maybe there's a little bit more something there than we realized. Yeah, I think that's that that kind of like sums it up for me in terms of how I think that some of the, this team and some Next of these question. other team yeah are going to <laughs> are going to view the Nets this season because I th- I think you're right while it makes sense to have it be the Bucks, right? Because they won the championship, I still get the sense that that's not they're not like a villainy kind of team, right? Like Giannis is still kind of right. tough, to, easy to root for. They're, they've been totally banged up in terms of injury to start the season. Holiday's missed games. Middleton's not playing. Uh, Lopez has missed games. So like, Deep they're just already sort of a shell to begin with. And so then you have the Nets, who obviously have these two stacked guys, even without Kyrie. And I do get the sense that there is this feeling kind of around the league, especially because they're favorites, right? The, the Nets are right now the odds on favorite to win the championship. Um, and so all these things. All these things in mind, I do get the sense that, like, the, especially a team like the Hawks, who probably feel there's a little bit like not disrespect because I think that's the wrong word, but there's like some things still to prove. Like their trajectory is still on the way up, even though they got mm-hmm. to the conference semifinals or finals last year. I get the sense that from them, they are still see themselves as um, like unfinished business, and mm-hmm. and and they're and they're just good. They're just a good team, and now they're four and three to start the season, but they they run very deep. They have a lot of wings that they can throw at you. Reddish has kind of started to make a leap here. They have Hunter. Uh, they have definitely ways to score. They can um, they can hurt the the Nets on the glass. And I just think that this is going to be one of these another example of a game that's very difficult for Brooklyn. You know, it's yeah. easy to take the win over Detroit on Sunday and say, "Hey, we figured a lot of things out." Again, I can't reiterate this enough. Detroit stinks. When we talk about when we talk about the the uh, the improvements of the Eastern Conference here, uh, we're not going to mention Detroit, right? right. So. The Hawks are just, and then and, and they faced uh, they faced Indian uh, Indiana without Malcolm Brogdon and Lavert hadn't come back, right? Yeah. And so like that's a compromised team as well. You're going to get a full loaded team here against the Hawks on Wednesday that don't have a ton of weaknesses. That they they you know they're not they're, they don't have they, they probably they don't have the superstar level that of, of a Durant or a Harden on their team, but are there are the do they have the second through fifth best players in the game? Like that that number sounds about correct maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting, too, because you talk about them being deep, the Atlanta Hawks, and it's waves of offensive talent as well, right? So, you know, the two games that we got for Brooklyn, Pacers, Detroit, you take away the positives from it, but I think in the same way that we've been even keel to start this season, not going to get, you know, not going to get too concerned about what we see against some of the top teams, also not going to get overhyped on these wins against bad teams, just about figuring things out, but this is probably a game where, we'll get a sense of, okay, we think that we're starting to figure some things out. The question marks are still around. The Blake Griffin, you know, starting 
that five role with LMA, right? If Aldridge is starting to look a little bit stronger for them, where is Blake Griffin now in his offensive game specifically? Without Millsap right now, is Joe Harris starting to find his rhythm? Or was it just a couple of bad teams where he managed to knock down a few shots? How These bench minutes, right? The second unit is still very much a, a work in progress for the Brooklyn Nets. And this is a game where if you are still working through that, and that's fine, you could find yourself losing all of those minutes when Kevin Durant or Harden are off the court, and that's going to be that, that's going to be probably a, a mountain to climb for the Nets over the first now, say 10, 15, and twenty games of the season. Yeah, this is like the Hawks. You know, you think of them as oh, it's Trey Young. They're a run and gun team. They they don't you know they don't do certain things. This teams played very slow this season. They have one of the slowest paces in the league to start the year. They want to get into the half court offense. They kind of want to be able to control the, the rebounding with Capella and John Collins. And they they bring in Gorgie Dang off the off the bench as well. Gorgie Dang, who like that's fans. Never mind. Anyone that's over six ten, that's fans wanted them to sign. Uh, like that's kind of that, that ends up being the rule. If you're six ten or above, someone, some net fit person out there is going to tell you that's a guy that they liked for the Nets. Like that just seems to be like this weird rule around who people want the, the Nets. But they they're going to do you look things. Tall. Oh, it's like tall and just a, a pulse, you know, something like that. Yeah. You know, has, has has they've seen the ball go into the basket more than three times from the player, yep. something like that. That's usually that's the litmus test. But but <laughs> no, but the the Hawks have some of these guys. Like this is the, this is going to be a problem problematic matchup for the for the Nets. They have size on the interior. We all we know that's a problem for the Nets already. Um they have wing spacing that can that's gonna cause uh the Nets some issues too. And they have guys who they're not at the Durant level of being able to guard these guys, like, mm-hmm. like being able to guard a Durant, but they can throw bodies at them. And so I think that this is going to be a tough matchup and and we're going to run down some of these teams in the Eastern Conference. I think this is going to be kind of a theme all season. I, like I think it's going where we see me we think it's going to be I think we're going to be talking about this a lot more than we thought we were going to. When it seemed like the the regular season was going to be this weird foregone conclusion that I'm just getting the sense from watching these Eastern Conference teams, Hawks included, who we knew already, but that it's that this is going to be it's going to be a slightly tougher sledding <laughs> than, it, than it seemed like the, throughout the year. Yeah, I'd say, because like, going back to talking, I think it was to Rafael Barlow in the preseason about the Eastern Conference and getting a sense of just maybe it's not going to be as easy for the Nets to figure some things out throughout the year and then check those boxes that they head down the stretch. But there, there, there's a couple of things when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks and a lot of these other teams in the Eastern Conference as far as what is the biggest concern along the way for the Brooklyn Nets? Because there's actually a couple of stats I want to get to that indicate that the Nets are trending in the right direction. It's just a matter of honing in on a few fine details, I'll say. All right, yeah, we're going to get into all this. We'll run down some of these other Eastern Conference matchups that are going to come down the pike as well. First, got to let you know this episode of Locked on Nets brought to you by McDonald's, the old Golden Arches baby, proudly serving communities since 1965. It's an institution my friends. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get that tasty, affordable food. You can go there to reconnect. Some places, just a, frankly, it's just a community center um, where you can go there. You get the free Wi-Fi. I talked about the coffee being a nice stop off. The road trip aspect to McDonald's is perfect. The fries and McFlurries, you know the whole deal with McDonald's. Win or lose, a place where competitors, teammates, home team, away team that can come to recharge. You can look forward to stopping on that road trip. Like I said, rest your legs, re Fuel McDonald's has been serving communities for decades now. We'll continue to do so into the future. You can head to your local McDonald's refuel, grab McDonald's after a busy day or when you're late to something, need something delicious and dependable. McDonald's has been there for decades. And like I said, we'll continue to be there. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. 
This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So, I mean, the Atlanta Hawks, there's, there's a piece of it, and we'll expand it out to the rest of the Eastern Conference as well, because I think there's some teams that certainly are maybe more legitimate than we realize coming in, but there are some caveats along the way. When it comes to the Atlanta Hawks, because I don't have the exact ranking for the Brooklyn Nets, but the opponent field goal percentage to start the year defensively for Brooklyn is actually pretty good. The problem, which is a familiar one, is the defensive boards, right? So it's about the second chance opportunities. We talked about this going back to, I think, last week or the start of the season saying, remember, the Brooklyn Nets were outshot with consistency on a game-to-game basis last year because more teams get second chance opportunities against them. So part of these on a game-to-game basis, you look at the box scores and say, oh, the Nets are shooting a pretty good percentage, you know, looking pretty good from the outside. Okay, so why are they still finding themselves down by 7 to 10 points late in the fourth quarter? It's because the other team is getting 10 to 15 more opportunities at the basket. So part of the question for the Nets to answer, and it can start with Atlanta, is can you figure out how to manufacture defensive rebounds? I mean, I'm not even worried about the offensive end right now. Can you hold teams to one and done? Because sometimes you look past when they get the second chance opportunity and they get those easy looks or get fouled and go to the line is you forget that the Nets sometimes run a nice little defensive set. They show good rotations. They they work the matchups and then just don't finish the last piece of it, which is grabbing that board. So before we get into some of these other teams around the conference, do you think that is the old softball question, rebounding is the way that even while the Brooklyn Nets are figuring things out early in the season from a role standpoint and a minute share, if you can just grab these boards, that's going to help you through a lot of these mid-level matchups or wherever the Atlanta Hawks and the like may fall. Yeah, well, look, you're not. We're not going. Fans aren't going to want to hear this, but this is what we were saying. That why this is going to be a tough matchup, particular in particular, the Atlanta Hawks rank third in yeah. the league in offensive rebounding. Right, like this is exactly the the, the place where the Nets aren't going to be. The Nets rank second to last in um, opponent offensive rebounding and second chance points. Like this is the this is a bad marriage of of teams <laughs> meeting together here about what one team does particularly well and what another team has done particularly poorly. Now I think some of that was by design, but that has done, like that has they've done. But I, it's not all by design. Like there's just that there's that <laughs> it's it's a, I think a little bit by design and a little bit of effort slash well, they just can't seem to cure some of these very easy uh, second chance points. But we're they're about to face a team in the Atlanta Hawks that this is just what they do. Very, it's one thing that they do very well, which is yeah. they use the size between Capella, Collins, Jang off the bench, guys like that. And they, they don't even have a Congo right now, so far, but like they do this very well already. It's part of the core of what they're trying to do. And we could be watching a game of 
like just short. Well, I don't have any hair, but you could maybe you can do it for me, ripping your hair out by saying it's another one, another one, another <laughs> offensive yeah. rebound, another right because this is it's already what the the, the Hawks do against decent teams that are that do right. that can defend against this, and the Nets are not one of those teams. And this is where I think so in these last couple of games, we've seen some of the small ball lineups. We know that Bruce Brown is in the starting rotation. So you understand that one of the ways that the Nets are more successful so far this season is going back to what worked for them last year a little bit. But the problem there is you end up being small and it's hard to box out on the defensive end. This is where something to watch for tomorrow and then in the long term is the ability of Blake Griffin, I'm going to, I'm going to say Millsap as well whenever he's on the court, LaMarcus Aldrich, I'm even going to put Kevin Durant in that category, every non-backcourt player. They're, it's this weird thing where to manufacture defensive rebounds, and we saw this a little bit where Joe Harris was cleaning up his stat line by having seven or eight rebounds, right? You need to be doing the thing of get a body on these guys and keep the lane clear, and then it's up to Harden and Bruce Brown and Javon Carter when he's in there, right? Any of these guards, and then even Joe Harris, some of the smaller players, Bembry if he's going to get some minutes, whatever, they've got to be the ones that kind of fly in on the timing rebounds because so much of what we've seen to start this year and even going back to last year is a lot of times the work that the bigs are doing they're doing it right, and there's been some unlucky bounces and unlucky breaks on the defensive glass, but for the most part, it's just been this collection of bodies, and then again, it's the size factor, because for everything that Blake Griffin can do defensively and get a body on and hold somebody out, how many times, the, the Bucks game, right? Just Giannis up over the top, just plucking one out, putting it back, because the size, and that was over Nick Claxton as well, too, throw him into the mix whenever he gets back on the court. There has to be a different methodology, I think, to how you produce defensive rebounds if you are in a lot of matchups going to be a little bit undersized and going to be at least at two out of two or three out of the five positions on the court every single time. You're going to have guys that are longer than you. You're going to have guys that are just have more ups than you, right? LMA, good body, good size, has the lift of a, of a sheet of paper. So th there's something there, too, that I think the Nets are trying to sort out early in the season. And by the way, this is how you window dressing something. This isn't a solution. At some point, the bigs do need to produce those rebounds. But I think in the short term, you have to find a way to let some of the guards help you out in that department, especially against the team like the Hawks. Yeah, they're just gonna it's it's gonna continue to be an all hands on deck situation. Again, we talked about this. I think we think a little bit is by design. It's easy to you know there's a reason you want Harden kind of getting on the offensive boards or excuse me the defensive boards because you can get out in the transition faster. He's the one of the best in the game when he lands with the ball first. It's gonna usually turns into really good things, right? The outlet passing, the the vision, you kind of want it to be there. There's a reason sometimes you want got guards like this to rebound the ball is because you start the fast break and you just start transition so much faster. The what you give away is you need other guys to get, you know, you you give away size on the in the interior sometimes, and other guys need to be into the box out to make it all work. So it's like yeah. again, it's like somewhat designed, somewhat not. All right, so so beyond the Hawks though, let's talk a little bit about this season conference because. Like we said at the top, this we went into the season sort of like, well, the foregone conclusion was that the Nets were going to make the playoffs. I, I believe that's still to be the case. So I don't think that's going to change any. That doesn't change any of this outlook, right? No. But what the resistance was going to be around some of this re regular season, at least my attitude has shifted in terms of how difficult this regular season might be. Right? The idea was going to be early on. Oh, let's use this as a tune-up. It's 82 games. Get into the playoffs. That's when the real, you know, the real cream rises to the top. Blah blah blah. That will still be the case. But are you getting the sense about this regular se regular season and the teams that they're going to face 
because it looks like to me like the teams we thought we were gonna they're gonna be good are still pretty good, and the teams we weren't sure about are also looking really good. <laughs> and that's and that's and that is maybe a meeting of a problematic situation for an 82 game schedule that actually for the Nets having to play a lot of these teams might turn into way more of a grind than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, so there's a couple of things. Like, I, I think you are probably right. There's going to be a lot more tests. There's specific reasons why. But, like, so right now as it stands, you mentioned Milwaukee. They have their injury concerns. So they're they're down there, quote-unquote, but they'll be up there. Miami seems like they're getting to your – you know, we talked about this, how Miami, well, they're a veteran team built for playoff basketball. But because they have new pieces, because you have a Kyle Lowry there now, you're going to be trying to figure some things out during the year, too. And it looks like it's well, going tell pretty you what, well for They them. figured it out. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> like, by the way, looks like maybe they've already done that piece of figuring it out. And now it's just going to be about getting through it. But but in that path, they're going to win a lot of games. They're going to look really comfortable and fluid, right? That continuity seems to already be there because they do have a lot of returning players. The the team at the top right now in the Chicago Bulls, who I yep. think last year, before they did some tweaking to their roster, I thought were maybe going to be a little more successful than it turned out to be. But the only here's the only caveat I'll give, right? Because some of the better teams are lower, and some of these teams like Chicago. Well, they've played Detroit twice already to start this year. Yep. They have another clunker in there from the Western Conference. I can't remember who it was. So, again, almost like the way we talk about the Brooklyn Nets, I still want the 15-20 game sample size on everybody before I develop concrete thoughts on them. Safe to say, though... Teams that are in and around there, like the Washington Wizards. Well, hold on. Pause we, real quick. Before yeah. you get to the Wizards, let me just let me go through these two, other two teams. I, well, let me hit. Uh, well, let me hit these two, and then we'll we'll talk about we'll, we'll go yeah. on to the rest of the group. Yeah. So I had the same feeling about the about uh, Chicago, where I was like, okay, yeah, you beat the Pistons twice, the Pelicans, the Raptors, who are pretty meh this season. Mm-hmm. Then they lose a really close game to the Knicks that um that they look like they almost came back on, and then. But then they beat the Jazz, like a pretty healthy Jazz team. Yeah, that, and then they beat the, the Celtics. And I watched the I actually watched the Celtics game, the the Bulls Celtics game. And that's actually this is actually what gave me this idea about this or like, why we started like kind of this conversation with the East. Because I was thinking, oh man, these guys are pretty good. <laughs> like yes. this is like this team, this team has a lot of ways to hurt you. They really ran totally rough shot over the Celtics in the se- in the fourth quarter. They it was the DeRozan's hitting corner threes, like to just kind of like uh, dagger corner threes to graveyard the Celtics near the end of the game. Um, and I was thinking if they they put it j- together just enough on defense, but mm-hmm. this is like this was that where I was like, oh, this is like this is not going to be an easy out. This is a team that wants to win all the games, right? They're playing because yes. because because here's the other issue for the regular season, is that I think there's a group of teams here in the East that know they are not winning the championship. I think that's I think they can pretty much say that very clearly. But they, that's actually not their goal. Their right. goal is to make the playoffs and like sort of serve a fan base that maybe has been struggling with wanting to see a winning team for a while. And Chicago definitely fits that bill. And so, yes, is Chicago going to win the championship? No. But are they going to ball out for the all 82 games here? Because that's actually what they're, they're playing for a really nice regular season record. They are. And there's a few other teams like this. And so, I like... Because the, I think the Hawks are kind of like this, frankly, and there's some other ones too. I think this is actually where the problems for the Nets are going to be in the Eastern Conference. No, for sure. And I, I want to get into, so the, and I think you're right on Chicago, by the way. It was. You look at the schedule, you go, there's some clunkers. There's also some quality opponents that you've played well against. Before we get into, there's some other teams here I think fall into that competitive during the regular season and how it affects the Brooklyn Nets or any of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference. Uh, sometimes getting through this podcast, it, it builds up a little bit of appetite inside me. And I wonder if you have the solve for that, Doug. Oh my gosh! Thanksgiving's coming up here, and if you're if you're kind of been looking for an alternative around the dessert thing at Thanksgiving, because it can be tempting. Maybe you're you know you get to Thanksgiving, you've been kind of good about the old, the old diet in there. You want to make sure you're eating really really healthy. Thanksgiving can come around, and you feel like 
you know, there's just endless options around the dessert table, go and throw a built bar. I'm being serious about this because we talked about this a ton about where built bar started. Built bar started with the flavors where a lot of other protein bars went out there and said, we'll just load it up on protein. And then the, the play, the flavors will be the secondary piece. It's almost like built bar went down the ice cream aisle, grabbed all the flavors, threw that into a protein bar and then made sure the other stats lined up with actually keeping it healthy. I think it's a great, it's just a great dessert option. Like you have to, I'm being, like I said, these things show up at the house. The family just runs for them. Totally fine. Stuff's healthy for you. Built Bar's covered in chocolate. I said all these great flavors just run down the list. German chocolate, strawberry, raspberry. It's all there. Cherry Barcia for those deadheads in there. You get into the uh, the stats too. Okay. A slice of pie. Take a guess. How many calories in a slice of pie you think? 9,000. You're close, 300. Uh, that's, that's The Built Bar, you're getting way less than that, 100 calories or so per bar. It's a great option when you're hungry. Thanksgiving's coming around the corner. Grab a Built Bar or two. It's going to be surprises coming up this month. Built Bar is not going to be one of them. You know you're getting a healthy option. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 to grab that 15% off at built.com. And of course, just like the T800 promised in T2 Judgment Day that he would be back, betonline.ag, they made the same promise and they want you to know that they're back and they're better than ever. That's because they have a new web interface for the start of, and now we're right into the mix of it, NBA basketball season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football, both NFL and collegiate level. For all that action going on this season, you head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website and you can sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked On. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just by using the promo code Locked On from baseball, basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite casino games. You know that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, so inside of this group then, because I think you're right, Chicago is a quality team this year. That much is, is, is I think we know that early on. But inside of that group, the Knicks are the same type, of, same type of team, I think. They have a lot to compete for, a lot to prove this season, want to make the playoffs, want to try to get back where they were, be an up, upper half of the playoff bracket. I, I don't think the Wizards aren't dissimilar to this. They're trying to make Bradley Beal happy, make him want to stick yeah. around. They're going to be competitive. Toronto Raptors, in spite of being a team that fairly recently won a championship, they are... It felt like they were going to be tumbling down the standings as well. So there's probably four or five teams in the Eastern Conference that legitimately have a lot to prove in terms of regular season competitiveness and, unlike last year, actually have the talent upgrade yeah. to, to be able to do it, right? Last year, it's like try to glue this thing together for a lot of these teams. You get a little bit lucky. Some other teams have some injuries. Okay, it all falls and kind of works for you. Miami struggles with some of their stuff. Uh, Boston Celtics are up and down with their injuries last year too, right? This year, I think the talent pool is a lot closer from 10 10 to 1. Like 10 to 1 is a lot closer than we think, even if the top two or three teams are clearly better. And when you get to the playoffs, you expect the Nets, the 76ers, the, the Milwaukee Bucks to beat teams in seven game series. Okay, fine. But where this seeding plays out could look a lot different depending on how desperate some of the better teams, including the Brooklyn Nets, are throughout the regular season to get these wins. Yeah, because if you go down the line here, it's like uh, when I say there's not many outs, there's really not many outs for at least a competitive game. Right. Yeah. Look, uh, we'll just go and I'll, we'll, we'll wrap. You already rapid fire some of these and you're totally right. The Wizards are are they a perfect team? No. Are they going to want to be very competitive every night? Definitely. 
right? They yep. made the trades to stay competitive. They got rid of Westbrook. That's frankly could be an upgrade for them. You know, bringing Dinwiddie, Kuzma, Harold. They brought in. They brought in a totally new team. It's kind of working, right? Like yep. so, they are they going to end up over five hundred? They'll be a five, maybe a five hundred team, but that might be you know higher than than you know people expect them. But we know the Raptors are always going to be really well coached, and they're playing without Siakam so far this year, and are five and three. Right, we got a Hornets team. Miles Bridges has like started to make a leap. Lamelo is, I think, just gonna be really, really good for what he's already shown, and he's gonna keep getting better. And they're kind of deep too. Like they have Hayward. They're bringing Ubre off the bench, right? So like this is, if it sounds like I'm listing players, it's just because a lot of these teams, the 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 changes that they made in the offseason have made them better. There's there's not much in the way of there hasn't been much attrition here around some of these teams. Then we already talked about the Hawks. Frankly, the Cavs. The Cavs are another one of these teams. Mobley looks awesome. Yep. They got deeper at guard with rookie Rubio. Like they can withstand some guard issues that they had before because they actually have a good second unit now. They're four and four. Are they gonna make the playoffs? No, but they're you kind of don't want to play them. Like they're kind of annoying to play. Markin played really well last night. And so we went closer to thirty or thirty-five games than twenty or twenty-five games. That's ten games that they need to be more competitive against somebody, right? It's looking like it. And then you get the pay and then you even you go down a little further, you get the Pacers two and six. Okay, they just got Levert back. Brogdon's been hurt for a couple games. They're really well coached because you know they got Rick Carlisle. They're going to figure this some of this stuff out too. It just gets kind of dicey around. It gets like that's a lot of improvement with not many steps back down the line. I said the only really bad team here is the Pistons. Even the Magic, who are young, probably don't want to win. And when we get down to it, are going to be incentivized to lose. But some of this stuff with the lottery being smoothed out, you're not as incentivized to lose as you were before. Suggs, um, Cole Anthony. They're starting Bamba and like you know, wait till the, the Nets play these guys. They're starting Bamba and Carter together, and then uh, Franz Wagner just absolutely posterized Carl Anthony Towns last night. Like this is a team that wants to play hard every single night too. They're flawed. They're not going to end up being a good team, but they're not rolling over. And I think that's sort of the theme that I'm seeing with a lot of these teams right now is no one's rolling over, and the ones that made offseason moves for the most part are all kind of working early, and that is setting up to kind of be a long season for the Nets. I I just think that this is, I think actually some of these, maybe this is overstating. I think some of these records are going to be closer to the middle than we thought they were going to be uh, going into the season. I was going to say, right, maybe you bring down some of the top seeds a little bit closer because there's more competitiveness. You bring up the basement a little bit and all of a sudden everyone's, you know, the top end of the of the conference is closer to 45 to 50 wins as opposed to 50 to 55, right? You're going to lose some games in the margin here. The big thing from the Brooklyn Nets standpoint, and you can say for any of the top seeds in the conference or teams that think they're going to be there. But you know, I, I talked to said this to you before we got on the podcast. Can't remember who the top player is in the league with it. James Harden and Kevin Durant are second and third in terms of ISO points so far this season. The Brooklyn Nets are obviously incredibly dependent on them to have offensive success. You combine that with the fact that all these teams that you're talking about enlisting, starting, as I said, the top, the Atlanta Hawks, a lot of these other teams, though, are relatively deep in terms of being able to bring waves of weapons at you. So... The, the combination for Brooklyn is, yeah, we need to get wins. We need to figure some things out. And, and you know that Durant wants to play. You know Harden wants to be playing. But they're also thinking about the big picture. So how many games throughout this season is Steve Nash going to have to look at it and say, who's getting rest tonight? And maybe it's not even the big two stars. We talk about Aldrich and what his minutes look like. Blake Griffin, you can't run him out there for 35 a night, right? So where are the Brooklyn Nets going to kind of 
find some steal games throughout the schedule. You could do that last year. You may not have the opportunity to do that this year. And I, uh, this is a bit of a curveball I'll throw at you. It is where I do wonder at what point do you think the Nets are the Nets do shift their mentality to? We're going to figure out what we need to figure out. And our number one goal, which they probably already had on their mind coming in, was we want to be healthy. So we we're not gonna we're not gonna be in the same spot like last year, fighting for a one or a two seed or whatever it may be. Maybe we just say it is what it is. As long as we're a hundred percent healthy come playoff time, that's the number one box to be checked here. We're not gonna worry maybe about home court advantage, and we will look at any of these teams in the Eastern Conference and say, listen, we'll take our chances, ISO, Harden, and KD, and say that we can get through those rounds. Yeah, I think that it's always going to be the thing they they go for the most. I think the regular again, there's there, there's no real risk of missing the playoffs or anything here. So I, that's not really what I'm saying. I, I don't think there's that's not a risk. I, maybe if but being less concerned about being a five seed or something like that as opposed to being a one or a two, right? I think that's like more. In pl- I think looking at the state of this Eastern Conference, that's more in play than I thought it was. I, I think that's right. mostly my point. Is that I think that and and it's okay. Um, but if you want to fight, if you want, if you were incentivized to fight for seeding all year in the Eastern conference, it's going to be a long season. I think, I think that like, I think teams that are wanting to do that and some are really built to do it. Some are really built to maintain that fight all season long. And I think, again, that's what they want. Like that's sort of their goal, right? Is to a success, like a a successful bowl season, I think is something like, you know, 40 plus wins. And a, a first win a first round playoff series mm-hmm. or something like that. And like that, and I think most people would look at that as like that's a success. But the problem is when you deal with this on a night to night basis against these kinds of teams, the if the Nets aren't incentivized to do that, which they probably shouldn't be because that's not a win. In the past, it was like, hey, we can kind of skate through this because we have a bunch of bottom feeding teams in the East. The East is different now. It yeah. used to be like six of these teams were just straight bad. <laughs> like they're not. That is no that does not appear to be the case here, and it just has changed the landscape around how much you can kind of take your foot off the gas. I think I think, and I, I'm saying it from my own point of view. I I maybe misread this situation a little bit around the East going in, and these, and I know it's only been seven games. It is not the land. It is just not anywhere close to the same landscape that it was even just last year. Well, and, and I think you're right, and I think that they're like, listen, I'm in the same way that I'm a homer for the young players on the Brooklyn Nets. I'm also a homer for scrappy teams around the league, right? So I can look at some of those teams and sometimes say, ah, maybe they'll be you know a little plucky, but but it seems like a lot of them are proving it early on. And the big part is from do you say the total season outlook is winning six out of your first seven games if you're Chicago, right? New York winning five out of your first seven, the Wizards, five out of your first seven, like that matters. If it's going to be a little more compact, stacking as many. So maybe you do have a bad run where you go 11 and 13 over, you know, 24, 25 games or something. Okay. But when you stack up these handful of wins early in the season, that's how you stay afloat. And I think a lot of these teams, you probably go back to last year and you'd say the same thing. They had some nice stretches, little runs, but ultimately when you lost four out of five, a few times a year, boom, now you're sunk. You're well below 500. It's over. None of those teams I think are going to be in that same boat. So it'll be curious to see. It'll just be curious to see how how the Nets look here as they get tested by a couple of them. What are the things that they figure out? And then also, for any of these teams that do look strong at the start of the regular season, the last thing I'll say is that balance for the Brooklyn Nets. We don't care about the regular season per se. We're about getting to the playoffs. All right. The only risk that you run in the big picture scheme of things is all these other teams that are maybe punching above their weight class or just trying to achieve getting to playoffs. You know what they're developing? A strong sense of continuity all throughout the year. And they're they're in the 
we want to win every single minute of every single game mentality. And that can be dangerous when it gets to the playoffs. Even if it just means instead of sweeping a team in four, you have to go five, you have to go six. Like just extending those series and putting more wear on the bodies for these Brooklyn Nets is going to be a big factor. So it's not, none of this is solved science, but I'll be very curious. We said the same thing about a lot of the Nets topics, 15 to 20 games. Let's see where everybody is. I'm not going to be shocked if it's a lot of teams, one or two games above 500, and the order of this Eastern Conference does a lot of rotating throughout the year. Yeah, I like. I, I think this is. I think this is gonna be something we check in on more than we ha- like than we did they did in the past, or even that we thought we were going to. I think this will be, be watching I think, teams, right? Watching teams. Really checking that can in be on the Eastern here. Conference. I'll leave you with this stat, and then we're gonna get out of here. So yeah. the relative percent index, which is not perfect, but it kind of combines on ESPN. It combines um, like team winning percentage and opponents winning percentage, and um, and like your the expectation that you were gonna win games. It's supposed to kind of give you a more balanced sense of like what your schedule has been like, and then sort of where your where you land right now through the first seven games, the bottom six teams in this, let me just make sure. Yeah. The bottom six teams in this stat are all from the West, right? So that, so if the bottom six teams in RPI are all from the West, just do the simple math about where, how the East is starting to stack up against the league, right? Like, because if the, now it's not going to stay this way. Some of these teams will stay down here, but like, if that's how it's already stacking up, you can see that, we might've had a shift here. It used to be the Eastern conference was the bottom feeding conference and the West was just absolutely loaded. And you're like, Oh my God, what a joke that like the East gets eight teams in and the West, you know, should have had 12 teams in or whatever. the stupid thing people used to say was uh, that might've shifted here. <laughs> and the early season return would suggest that it has. So, um, and, re- and real quick yeah. here, if we're keeping an eye on these teams, Chicago bulls, they're going to get the 76ers. They're going to see the, obviously the nets. They're going to see the Mavericks, the golden state warriors and the Clippers and the Lakers. That's like the next five, six games for them. So you're keeping an eye on a team. Let's see. Cause it's again, it's repeating tests, repeating tests, and, and you'll start to get a better sense of some of them as well. All right. We're going to get out of here. Thanks again for making locked on nets. Your first listen free and available on all podcast platforms, including not a podcast platform, but a video platform. Go over and subscribe to the Locked On Nets YouTube channel. This episode and more will be up there. We're climbing toward 400 subscribers. We want to get to 1,000 by the new year. So go over and hit subscribe on the Locked On Nets YouTube channel. This episode will be up there. The link will be in the show notes. No quote today. Funko KD coming for you. One of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.